In the wonderful economy of God, there's only one day that is a day of darkness. Praise God. Praise God. 364 days of celebrating our Savior's risen, life-giving life. But today is Good Friday, the day that Jesus took our sins upon himself. We're going to reflect a little bit on Isaiah. This was read for us earlier in the service, and it is significant that this took place 700 years before Jesus. It was a mysterious prophecy, because in it God had promised that his servant would come and take our punishment and make us right with God, that by his wounds we would be healed. This is something that was uniquely fulfilled in Jesus. No one before the prophecy and no one since has ever done what Jesus has done for us. 700 years before, and then Jesus came. We read in Isaiah 52, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. It would have been horrific to be there that day, to see anyone so afflicted, to see such brutality inflicted on any person, that to see it upon him, Against, no, against whom no charge could be brought. He was despised, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Of all the people on the face of the earth that would merit our esteem, the highest, the best, and here he is, treated in the most humiliating of ways. He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God. Oh, only a wicked man would experience such things. Smitten by him and afflicted. In the little graphic on the screen, you see Jesus, who is helping a wounded person. So not only in the days of his flesh, not only in what he transacted on Good Friday, but ever since, we have experienced his carrying our sorrows, his meeting us in our infirmities. There's a little allegory, a little story written by Walter Rangren, in which uh, he uh, tells, is there, is there a problem? Oh, okay. Didn't it go on? Oh, it didn't go on. Well, thank you. We can get by with a little help from our friends. Oh, there we go. Thanks, Calvin. <clears throat> There's an allegory about the ragman. And it's condensed here, and it is worth a read if you uh, look it up on the internet. But on Friday morning, 
He says, I saw a strong, young, healthy man with a cart of new rags. Calling out in a strong, clear voice, he said, Rags! Rags! New rags for old! I take your tired rags! The air was foul, the streets were dark, but the air around the young man was sweet and clear. He saw a young girl crying uncontrollably into her handkerchief. Give me your rag, and I will give you another, new and clean. He took the handkerchief. She stopped crying. Her tears were gone, and her face was full of peace. But the young man put the hanky to his eyes, and he began to weep uncontrollably. Next, he found a girl with a bleeding head wound, wrapped around, wrapped in a bandage. The young man took the bandage from her head, and her wound was healed. But the young man wrapped it around his own head, and he began to bleed. He came upon a man in a jacket who had a missing arm. The young man took the jacket and put it on, so the one-armed man was made whole. But the young man had lost an arm. And then he came upon a drunken man wrapped in a blanket, old and sick. He took the blanket, gave the drunk new clothes, and the drunk became sober and well. But the young man put the blanket on his shoulders, and he became old and sick. The young man, weeping uncontrollably, bleeding from his head, one arm missing, old and sick, stumbled up onto a trash heap, and there he died. An allegory about the one who took upon himself our infirmities, and who continues to do that, friends, every day. Now. There's a little postlude in the story. I wept to see the young man die. Then on Sunday morning, I woke again to see the young man alive again and strong. I pleaded, rags, please take my rags and give me new ones. And the young man did. He took the wounds, the sadness, he took it all and gave me new clothes, new life and joy. And that's the story of millions upon millions of people who come to Jesus. Amen? Amen. But we're not quite there yet. Sunday's coming. We're reflecting upon that Friday in which he took upon himself our infirmities and carried our sorrows. This is love. This is love. To think that there's someone who would die for me. Someone would die for me. We sing about this. When we sing the song by Joseph Scriven, he's a Canadian, you know. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Your privilege and mine, even today, to come and to receive what Jesus transacted long ago on our behalf. What a privilege. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. 
He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Understand that these remarkable words were written 700 years before the coming of Jesus. How could Isaiah have known? Oh, we know. God told him. God made a promise that was for them and for us. We have the privilege of living on the other side of the cross. But Isaiah was looking forward, not understanding how God would send the Messiah, the suffering servant, to bear our sorrows, to be pierced for our transgressions, to be crushed for our iniquities, to be punishment, that we would have peace with God, and that this peace would be something that we can spread and share with one another and to share even with those who call themselves our enemies. But you see, the need for this is because like sheep, we have gone astray. And Isaiah says it so well, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friends, it's no question that we live in a world where people turn their backs on God and turn their backs on his ways. No question. And we who are here, who are alive in Jesus, have understood that and understood that the way of wholeness and health and forgiveness and peace is indeed the way of Jesus and coming to the crucified one. We understand that. But let's admit that we all have strayed, that we all have sinned, that we're off track apart from him. And you see, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. And as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. This is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, for our sins. And we know that the Old Testament was a preparation full of examples of blood sacrifice in which no sin is atoned for without the covering of blood. Because the life is in the blood, a life for a life. And so it's either we die for our sins or someone else chooses to step in and to cover and to take our place. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter. But here's a really remarkable verse, and sometimes we skip over it, we don't reflect on it. It's the verse 11 in which we read, after the suffering of his soul. Let's pause there for a moment. Physical suffering is one thing. Well, we all know that there is a different kind of suffering, a suffering of the inner person, a suffering of the soul that is so hard to describe and sometimes haunts us our entire lives. But you see, there was a particular poignant, agonizing moment that was unlike any moment in the history of the universe. Because let's understand that what we have is God the Son, 
who in that moment is being separated from God the Father. And so he cries out, quoting the words of Psalm 23, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, some of us may have experienced the betrayal of someone very close to us, and we know how hurtful that is. Much more hurtful than if a stranger betrays us. And this would have been the experience of our Savior. Beyond what we could imagine. In a moment concentrated the infinite agony of separation from his Father, with whom he had been so intimate. And we read over and over again, I and the Father are one. And yet in this moment, for our sakes, there is this suffering of his soul. This is worth thinking about, friends, because we know that physical suffering is one thing, but the spiritual, mental, inner suffering is another. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me for our sakes? After the suffering of soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And so we know that Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Because the righteous requirements of God have been satisfied for you and for me. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. So we stand before God in Jesus, able to have free and open and intimate and growing relationship. And oh, that we would enter more fully into it every day, thinking about our God. You know, driving to the end today, it's not quite green yet, is it? But I could see all the promise of what's coming. And I was thanking the Lord the whole way. And I would, I have my two grandsons here, two of my grandsons right here, sitting with Chris. Is that okay, Ben? She's sitting with Chris? I think it's good for us all that, she's, that they're actually sitting with Chris. <laughs> Unfortunately, Karima, that I also brought, my Sudanese daughter, she's not feeling great, so she's lying down in my office. You might just send a prayer up to the Lord asking for mercy. But anyway, but let's understand that it's like that, that when you're living with the Lord, you can be doing anything, anything, and you have that deep sense that, yeah, Sunday's coming. Oh, that's good. It's coming. The promise of God, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, so often. Because we don't walk in the intimacy of what our Savior has bought for us. Is that true, Lynn? Amen. Amen. He bore the sin of many, therefore I will give him a portion among the great. And we know that the world... Even those who don't acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior recognize that there has never been anyone 
as great as he. And he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death. And we can add, for us, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And so the only question that remains for us is how will we respond to his love? Many of us have been journeying with Jesus a long time. But sometimes, you know that saying, familiarity breeds contempt, okay? We don't appreciate what we've got. So friends, this is the day to renew ourselves in our love for him. And if there are those who have not begun the journey with Jesus yet, today's a really good day. Today, there's no better day. If not now, when? So may you come to Jesus. And for those of you who've been in church a long time, that uh, it's a Sunday go-to-meeting event, this is the day to enter into something more than that, to enter into his life, because it's an every moment of everyday experience that only gets better and better until finally we are caught up into his presence. It was a little over a year ago this time that we were celebrating my mom's going home. She's in glory now. She's in glory now. Yes, we miss her. But guess what? She's singing and dancing. She can dance, Ben. <laughs> in the presence of Jesus. See, God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. I'm so thankful that he loves me, even though I am a sinner. It's not gone yet, friends. Am I ever grumpy? Yeah. Am I ever less than I should be? Yes, but guess what? He still loves me, and he loves you. But the wonderful thing is he puts an impulse that we will have in large hearts and be able to share the love of God. And that, by the way, is why Christian community is so wonderful, right? Because we can experience that. Now, I didn't ask you all to stand up and shake hands and meet somebody and learn a new name yet. But before you're out of here, make sure that you take the opportunity to do that. And as we reflect on his death, remember, it's only Friday, and Sunday's a coming. We're going to sing a song.